If you're looking for success in the vacation rental industry, Heather Bayer and the team at CottageBlogger.com are here to show you that it's entirely within reach. Welcome to Vacation Rental Success, the show that features interviews with industry experts, successful vacation rental owners, and more, all geared toward helping you make it happen. Here's your host, Heather Bayer. Well, hello again. This is Heather Bayer from the Vacation Rental Success Podcast, and it's episode 160. And it's an absolute pleasure to be with you again. Uh, Great news this week. For those of you who listened to last week's podcast, um, episode 159, um, the mashup with Matt, I mentioned that we were waiting, awaiting the birth of our sixth granddaughter. And uh, happy to say that did actually happen. Eventually, she was uh, 16 days late when, uh, when she finally appeared. And, uh, and, but she, she arrived at a bouncing eight pounds, six ounces, and her name is Edda, E-D-D-A which is a beautiful German name. Um, for, the, for those of you who don't know, my, my son Richard and his wife Marika live in Berlin. And uh, I will be heading out to Berlin in March. That's going to be the first time I get to see my new granddaughter. And I'm going to tie that in with going to the VRMA uh, Europe conference, which is in Amsterdam in early March. So that's going to be a fantastic trip. I'd love to hear from anybody else who's going to VRMA in Amsterdam. Um, you know, let's get together. That would be fantastic. Um, I, I went to Amsterdam actually for the first time earlier this year and only had such a short time there. You know, really looking forward to going back again. I won't have a huge amount of time there, but I'm going to make the most of what I have. So for sure, give me a, uh, give me a shout, send me an email at heather at cottageblogger.com. Let's arranged to get together for, for, for a coffee or for a meal or something over the weekend or the, the couple of days that VRMA Europe is on in March. As I often do at this time of year, I get emails from uh, people who are writing blog posts and writing features about the new year and everybody's looking for predictions. You know, what do you think? What, what, what's happened this past year that surprised you in the industry? What... Uh, what are you looking for in 2017? The first question is, is interesting because I don't think anything really surprises me. And I'm really going to have to search around to, to find something that I didn't see coming, that I didn't sort of go, are you kidding me, when, when it arrived across my desk or across my screen. And I think that goes for, for a lot of people who are in the industry. You know, it's, it, it is relatively predictable. And if you go back to those people who made predictions at the end of last year, um, people would be talk- were talking about um, more restrictions being placed in cities. Well, of course, we saw that happen. Number one is Berlin, but of course, New York as well, and different restrictions being placed in many different areas. I mean, there's no one size fits all in terms of restrictions. It all comes at us in different ways. But it's, uh, it's something that was predicted last year, was predicted oh, for, for many years uh, in, in the past. And uh, it, it happens, happens every year. Something that, um, that I will predict is going to happen is there's going to be more disruption in the industry. Um, I think that's a pretty much a given. It's, it, we're still so in such early days of our industry. It's growing at a massive rate. 
of course, there's going to be disruption. Things are going to change. Nothing is going to stay constant. The person, I think, you know, really has his finger on the pulse of what's happening in this industry, not just in the property manager's world, but in the independent owner world too. And that is Richard Vorton, the CEO of Rentivo. And you may have heard recently, it may have um, come across on, on some of your feeds, that Rentivo is, has a crowdfunding project on at the moment. And it's something that I wanted to talk to Richard about. I also wanted to discuss with him a survey that Rentivo did earlier this year. The results were published on the Rentivo website in uh, September. And just recently, a number of the comments from that survey were followed up in another post. And both of these um, these blog posts are going to be on the show notes because these are the basis of my discussion today with Richard Vorton of Rentivo. Now, for those of you who haven't heard of Richard, uh, he has owned and developed a, a company in the west of England that is now run by his wife, Sue, called Discovery Holiday Homes. And Richard and I talked about Discovery Holiday Homes and, and how it came into being um, uh, in, a, in an earlier podcast, and I'll put a link to that on the show notes as well, came across my radar because they have a holiday home in Como in Italy, one of my most favorite places in the world. And we got to talk about that a bit. So go on over to that and check it out if you want to, to see the background on, um, on Richard and really how he has gone from there to doing what he's doing now, which is to create something entirely new to meet the needs of the people who are becoming dissatisfied with the current state of the OTA market. So without further ado, let's move on over and talk to Richard. So I'm delighted to have with me today Richard Vorton, the um, founder, co-founder of Discovery Holiday Homes and of Rentivo. Um, we met, uh, known him and his wife Sue for um, for a couple of years now since first meeting in San Diego at a VRMA conference. So it's an absolute delight to have you back with me again, Richard. This is the second time you've been on the show. It is, uh, Heather. Thank you, yes, uh, for that very nice introduction again. So, yeah, I'm wearing two hats. I'm wearing a uh, Rentivo hat and a Discovery Holiday Homes hat. But Sue is the um, is the, the forefront of the uh, the management business, and I focus most of my attention on Rentivo and its technology uh, drive at the moment to uh, to help managers and owners uh, combat the, the changes in the industry. Yeah, we talked about Discovery Holiday Homes back when we we, we did our our first um, interview, and I'm gonna I'll put a link to that on the on the show notes because. I really want to concentrate on Rentivo today. And it sort of came across, I mean, I'll say it came across my radar. It's been, been around for, for a long time, but it piqued my interest um, when you published results of a survey that you initiated in September. Um, and you were asking owners and property managers what they felt about their use of OTAs or online travel agencies in marketing their properties. So can you tell me a bit about the survey, why it was, um, why it was initiated? What did you want to find out? Uh, well, a, a number of things. Uh, we, we mailed the survey to 5,000 owners and managers. Uh, we received 500 and 
13 responses, which is uh, over 10%. So that was very encouraging. And the, the reason we did it was twofold. Uh, one was we've been reading a lot of press um, uh, from people uh, in the industry saying all this noise about OTAs is, uh, is a bit of a sham because uh, it's only a few people who are complaining and they're making most of the noise. It's really good for everybody to join on board the OTAs and everybody should be doing it. Just ignore these, uh, these few in the industry. Well, my experience of this and speaking to literally hundreds of owners and managers over the last two or three years is that it is a, it is a, a global problem. It's not something that's localized and it's not a few people. So we thought we'd, uh, we'd ask the question uh, to our database of managers and owners and, and see their response. We did expect that the people who were going to reply negatively would reply negatively. Um, but we would have expected anybody who was very, very happy with the OTAs to have actually come back and said that as well. Um, we had one other question hidden in there that I was particularly interested in, and, and that was we have the, uh, the big uh, five or six companies, um, and we know Airbnb have uh, rocketed past everybody else with a, a warm, loving, sharing uh, position in the market. And we wanted to know which of the OTAs was uh, seen as the best opportunity going forward from a guest perspective. Uh, so that question was hidden in there. Uh, and as expected, Airbnb came out top uh, and HomeAway second and TripAdvisor was third. So we did this and uh, we had some excellent results and uh, you, can, you can publish the links so people can actually see those. But one of the astonishing things was we had almost 400 comments as well. Uh, and the comments, some of them were completely unpublishable, um, but most of them played to the same um, theme most of the time. So... You know, there was a lot of complaints about how much they charge, hard to work with, the, uh, the terms they put on there, the lack of uh, ability to communicate, et cetera, et cetera. So nothing terribly unexpected, but very, very hostile. Mm -hmm. Well, let's, let's just go back a bit. Just um, you, you mentioned the question about, um, you know, which, which OTA did people think was going to, to serve them the best? best. What, what other questions did you ask? Um, I've got them in front of me right now, actually. Um, first one was how important do you think OTA sites will be in the future of your booking rental business, scoring it naught to naught to ten? We anticipated a five or a six, and it came out as a seven, uh, just over a seven. So people see it as being important, uh, and the comment that goes with it is it's a necessary evil. Because um, so I can understand that. But also, when you reflect on all the results that we actually had, most of the people used at least two of these major sites. So despite all the, uh, the angst, they were um, pulled into these systems and using them. Probably a lot of them were, were HomeAway or uh, TripAdvisor Holly letting flip key listings originally, and they've been converted into an e-commerce model. So it's not as if they signed up to them naturally it was something that they were transitioned to. Whereas Airbnb, you wouldn't had to have signed up and, and been in that model to start with. Um, 
you know, which of the sites charges the most? You know, Booking.com, way ahead of anybody else, followed by HomeAway. Uh, 50% of people said they were happy using OTAs to make bookings for their property, despite all the complaints. Which of the following phrases do you feel best would describe OTAs? The leader was a necessary evil. Um, and then we wanted to know which things would, uh, which um, particular elements would uh, influence a decision uh, on use of an OTA. I think we all know what they're going to be, but low commission structures is obviously one of them because there is a there. As I've often said, there's a there's a big problem with the microeconomics of uh, holiday rentals. They're not like hotels. They really do have fairly high costs attached to them. Um, the second was can adopt your booking rules. You know, everybody has slightly different booking rules. Everybody has slightly different deposits and balances and damage deposits and times of entry and times of departure, etc. But interestingly, the third one, at 19%, was um, the brand strength as portrayed by the guest, which played back to us trying to find out which of these sites the managers and owners considered was um, the warmest, friendliest, and most trusted out of all of them. And, and it came back as Airbnb. And, and we know Airbnb is also trying to get into the seasonal vacation rental market. So very interesting. Not many surprises, but, you know, it, it did confirm everything that we, we, uh, we suspected. Um, and we had managers in there with over a thousand properties. Um, but the biggest group who contributed were owners who had two to 10 properties. And that was 42% of all the responses. So, so we did get a very good feeling for what owners uh, of small numbers of properties actually felt about the whole thing. Did you get any um, any sense of um, how long these these uh, these respondees had been in uh, had been renting? Did did you ask that question about um, you know, when? when did no, you I'm afraid. No, I'm afraid we didn't ask. We didn't ask that. We asked an awful lot of other questions, the age ranges, and because uh, that was an interesting one. Uh, you know, a lot of people can't afford second homes if they're particularly young. So the 55 to 64 year age group was the highest in, in terms of ownership of properties, followed by 45 to 54s. Uh, we had 50 50 male to female respondees. And we had 30% United States uh, replies, 30% United Kingdom, uh, 8% France, 3% Spain, and then 25% uh, the rest of the world. Um, I, I, we didn't ask the question, but you have to consider, by, based on the results, the vast majority of them had been on listing sites for, for several years. And it was a transition that was was hurting them a lot, I think. I Yeah, I, I... I see that with with talking to people, those who, who you know who are on VRBO in the in the early days and and who who had their free listings on Flipkey when it very first started, you know they're the <laughs> ones that are having the, the the real struggle um, to transition to a different model. And I was just you know it just made me wonder whether you know people new people coming into the market they're faced with the fate accompli. This is the way it works, and you know if 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 they would have a very different response. 
Well, interestingly, I mean, because I've got a, a management side, I, I still do meet um, new new owners of properties on a fairly regular basis and uh, and interrogate them as much as possible. Uh, and interestingly, I met one last night who uh, has done up a very nice place uh, on the coast and had decided to jump into using Airbnb before calling a manager. Um, so, so that was their immediate approach to, to marketing was we've, we've done this place up. We're now going to market it. We're going to do it ourselves. We're going to put it on Airbnb. So what happens is they put it on Airbnb. It goes on there for one night. It goes on there very cheap, and they end up with a lot of bookings and a lot of stress and, and, and no margin or money in it. Um, and then they realize they don't get paid until the, the people have left as well. Um, and you can see that there's uh, all of a sudden there's a little light going on thinking, actually, this isn't quite what I thought it was going to be. It, it, the Airbnb business is, is city destination business uh, mainly. Um, and I think Airbnb have now caused a lot of problems to the peripheral startups in this business. So the, uh, the Airbnb managers who uh, who do the cleaning, do the marketing, update your calendars, all that sort of business. I'm pretty sure they had a bunch of spreadsheets out there that their uh, venture capitalist supporters or investors um, said, okay, well, we're going to book 200 nights. And then Airbnb came in and said, well, you can only book 90. So all of a sudden, everybody's going to have to start pivoting. And guess what? They're probably going to turn to the uh, traditional vacation rental market and say, well, we need to expand our marketing. We need to expand our reach. We need to do this uh, more directly. You know, so, yeah, I think that the newer people coming to the market have probably been Airbnb mentally. Um, but as many of them find out, it's not quite as simple uh, as it appears um, when they try it. So, so, so um from your survey results, what, tell me about the the broader um, the broader result. What what what's the the big um, feeling across all your respondees? <laughs> I'll send you the four hundred comments. <laughs> you did, you did. I've already, <laughs> I've already got them. Yeah, it was interesting. You were talking about the uh, um, your your new owner, an Airbnb, and and I'd read the comment from an owner in. I think in, in Wales, who said that you know a few years ago there were 700 properties um, advertised, and you know in in the course of a few months now there's over 7,000. Correct. Yes, um, and that's that's an issue, of course, as well. Yeah. So, um, so, 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 yeah, I did, I did see the full set of comments, and I know you've um, you've sent me um, a file that I'm going to, um, a document that I will upload on the show notes so that, uh, anybody who's interested can go in and have a look at, at the results of the survey and, uh, and the comments as well. Anything that particularly stood out to you, anything, I mean, I, I did just ask a question about the broader picture and we'll come back to that in a second, but was, was there any particular comment? I mean, you said there was not much that surprised you, but there must've been one or two that well, it didn't surprise me because I've been talking to managers and owners for so long. And, you know, we were in Barcelona at the VRWS and there was a, a common thread there. And that was uh, we, uh, we use the OTAs, but we really don't want to do it. Um, we've been forced to do it. So there's nothing, nothing special, nothing new, just uh, as much resilience as I expected. So 
I think the people who have possibly got their head in the sand thinking that it's a minority are absolutely wrong. The reason we don't hear the majority is it's very difficult to pull several million people into one place at one time. And this is what the OTAs are very good at because they've got a lot of money to, uh, to allow them the capacity to do this. So, you know, you and I can't reach more than several thousand people in one go. Mm -hmm. They can reach millions, of course. So uh, nothing terribly new, Heather. I, I'm just kind of glad that, uh, that we were right. Um, and since we've been uh, crowdfunding for the last uh, uh, couple of weeks, uh, I've just been um, lambasted uh, with, uh, with people on the phone, on Skype, on email, um, and it all just reinforces everything we've, we've, uh, we've been talking about. Okay, it's, so, it's, so you mentioned crowdfunding. Let's let's get to that. Let's get to Rentivo and what what the platform's all about and how it's how it's how you're planning to drive this move to independence because I'm guessing that's what this is all about. Yeah, I think I think the drive to independence is never going to be an easy path. Uh, you know, I think everybody has to recognise that work is needed in this. But we started this about three years ago, um, self invested. Uh, it was started with uh, Chris, Chris Atkinson, who's the, the CTO. Um, and we wanted to develop a set of tools that would uh, enable managers and owners to self-market. It was, it, was, it was becoming very apparent that the market was changing very quickly. And because we had a management company as well, we were also uh, suffering at the hands of a lot of these changes. So... Rentivo was there to build um, websites for people. Uh, and as we started building websites for people and, and developing the equivalent of a type of Shopify type uh, templated building system, uh, we encountered other companies who wanted to have websites built off the back of their systems. So we run websites for other PMS systems such as uh, VREasy and, and Click. And we're hooked into other PMS systems for import of data too. So, so that kind of snowballed and kept us very busy. Um, throughout the course of all this, I'll come back to the OTAs again, they, they wanted to change everything to an e-commerce model. So everybody was having to um, recognize that uh, checks and cash and any other form of non-digital money movement was going to be a problem. So we constantly got hit by people saying, I need to be able to take credit cards. And if you, when you said to them, why do you need to be able to take credit cards? I say, well, guests do expect it. Home away were quite right about this. You know, guests do want to pay, pay by credit card a lot of the time, particularly U.S. citizens and U.K. citizens. Uh, they don't always want to pay on home away. They're happy to pay through a merchant service, which is trusted. So uh, we went and built our own um, merchant facility and, and payment solution called Vacay Pay, which we plugged into the websites that we were building for managers and owners. Um, and we started trading last November on that. And I think we're probably going to close the year at about $3 million transaction on that. And we've been fairly careful how we've, we've advanced that because money is always a, a dangerous subject to deal in. Um, and then, I'm, as you know, Heather, I'm, I'm very passionate about uh, cooperation and collaboration and um, trying to find a way that everybody can benefit 
uh, and not have too much money taken out of the, the booking chain and also be able to manage the properties and communicate in, a, in as an open way as possible. So over the last um, six, seven months or so, uh, we've started to work and uh, uh, some of these projects will be launched in the early, early part of next year with groups of managers uh, who want to collaborate. They want to pull together um, an equivalent to the OTAs. Uh, we've also been working with um, other I won't call them listing sites, they're, they're, they're meta-type search engines as well, so that uh, managers and owners' properties can be, can be pulled back and booked directly to them. So there's no loss of uh, cash flow, there's still direct contact, and we try to make it as economical as is humanly possible um, by getting the best exposure. So we're doing a lot of these things, there's a lot of moving parts, uh, and we have uh, a number of other things on the roadmap. Remarketing, which I'm told I always phrase it wrong. We're talking about CRM remarketing, which means you can use the OTAs, which people do. You can treat them as a dating site. As soon as you've got a guest and they've stayed, you want to come back to them again. You want them to make their friends and family aware of where they've been. You can materially incentivize these people to make sure that their friends and family and anybody else in their social network can come back uh, and book directly on um, the manager or owner's website. So these are um, extended tools to allow you to, to start remonetizing, remarketing, use your old database of email addresses, et cetera, et cetera. So th there is a problem in all this. Um, and, it, and it's very apparent that the change from three to four years ago to now, from listing sites to aggregated e-commerce sites, has left everybody um, confused. And uh, I don't think many understand that they are going to have to put in a lot more work and develop a lot more knowledge about uh, what they're doing in the industry. So I deal with people who've never switched on a computer before to people who can build their own uh, portals and platforms. So there is, there's a big gap in, in, in many people's knowledge. And I'm afraid the days of uh, simple listing sites, whereby you get 100 inquiries and 30 bookings, have, have gone for the moment. But we do see more and more approaches um, for people who want to partner with us to create listing sites. Um, so the jury's out on that at the moment because it's an, it's an expensive exercise to, to create the marketing. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, because in, in our neck of the woods, um, we get 80% of the traffic to, or maybe a little less now, 70% of the traffic to our website from a simple listing site. Um, and, you know, I guess we're a little bit unique in that way. Because uh, because our demographic is is so local, so it's it's a local um, Canadian listing site, and and it really is the simplest thing. You know, you just post your properties, and the guests come straight back to us, and that gives us control. And that that really is what what this is all about, isn't it? It's just um, you know bringing yeah, back is. control to the independent owner and to the property manager. 
You're, you're absolutely right. And, and, and what you just said is, is actually what's happening in, in, in quite a number of destinations. So people are becoming destination focused as well. We're seeing more people actually search for property names now. This guest service fee, the extra fees, the inability to communicate and everything else is causing a lot of problems at the guest end as well, of course. So we are now seeing people um, looking for the names of the properties, more direct inquiries, and the billboard effect seems to work. But this localization is, is, an, is an excellent approach to actually driving more business. In your specific part of Ontario, you know, if you've got some form of uh, high search ranking and you can convince the guests that you are trustworthy, then there's no reason why you shouldn't get the booking. And when it comes back to this trust, this is, this is what the, the large brands uh, are excellent at. They, they instill this corporate trust in a guest who really knows nothing about the industry. So we all need to do that. So, uh, again, we're working on ways to make it more compulsive for people landing on your website to say, yeah, this, these people are trustworthy, they're accredited, they've got payment solutions, they've got this, they've got that. You know, I'm going to book direct with them. I'm saving myself money too. Yeah, and I think you've got it with the payment solutions. That, you know, that, that for us as a company is one of the, the major issues that uh, that we had to contend with. I mean, we're we're still in an area where where checks um, are are more common for people to use to book a property than a credit card. But we're seeing, you know, the writing's on the wall. <laughs> We've all got to move yeah. over. So, but getting that, you know, we, uh, having that facility, particularly as an as an independent owner, to offer credit cards is is a tough one. So naturally you know turning to an ota because that allows them to accept credit cards which apparently makes it far easier for their guests to um to transact with them is uh, is, is sort of primary in their choices i'm i want to ask you about the um about rentivo and the crowdfunding and crowdcube because i think uh, right i know we've i know we've got limited time here because you are humongously busy and I just want to um, make sure we get that out um, um, because there is an opportunity for anybody to invest in Rentivo. Well, yeah, that's true, Heather, yes. Um, unfortunately, we're in the United Kingdom, which is a, a long way uh, across the pond to, to you good folk. Um, so because of uh, we're in the UK, we follow uh, FCA guidelines, uh, financial authority ones. Uh, and we've put it onto uh, a website called Crowdcube, which is the biggest in the UK. And we've done our very best to put the video and the business plan and explanation on there. Um, though we have got investors from the United States, and we'd like to thank all of them uh, and those in Canada too. I must, I must remember that you're not the same country. So uh, people in uh, Canada and the United States can invest, but it does in entail uh, having filling a format rather than doing it online and actually having your lawyer notarize it to say you understand what you're doing, essentially. Um, one thing we have discovered is that because you and I and everybody else who's probably listening to this podcast live deep in the holiday rental world, the general consumer out there, the, uh, the person who's looking to invest a few hundred pounds or even 10 pounds, doesn't really understand what we're doing. 
they they are at the, the guest facing end. They're at the Expedia end where they go, oh, it's just a website where you take bookings. They don't really understand the nature of what's happened and, and, and the challenges we face. So we're about 50% today and 95% of that 50% is all from managers and owners. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's probably 70 investors at the moment. And it's fantastic. It's fantastic from that perspective, without doubt, because we've had so much, so much traction and so many nice comments for this as well. And the reason we did crowdfunding rather than chase the angel route or the VC route uh, at this moment in time is I've watched all the other companies. We do have competitors and they are VC funded. Some of them are pivoting because the original model doesn't work. But I would rather uh, be able to do this organically, correctly, uh, not predict vertical growth, um, which we might have to do if we if we had slightly more aggressive funders. Can you, can uh, you just um, – stop, I'm stopping you for a moment. Just, um, just describe vertical growth and what you actually mean by that. Oh, well, yes. Here's, here's my business plan, chaps. Uh, you've got a pot full of money, um, and they are almost certainly say, well, that's a great idea, but we'd like to see uh, five times the income you've projected so our shareholders can, uh, can see uh, we'll have more expectations. So what we've done is we've produced a business plan that, that we completely believe in uh, and has a, a solid base and foundation for us to grow within the environment we've decided so you know airbnb had vertical growth so you know from nothing to several million properties mm-hmm. you know we're, we're not predicting that we're predicting a steady growth of owners and managers support functions you know uh, new products that everybody will use and the other thing about crowdfunding is that everybody is involved with us as an investor, it, as I've said, is a manager or an owner. So we're getting fantastic feedback as well about the things that they like, they don't like, what they want, they do want. So we will have our own Slack channels and uh, we will be involving uh, a lot of people in this as, as we move on. So it's a community, it's a group, it's collaboration. It, it's, 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 it's all those things I really like. Well, me too. And I'm, I'm you know, proud to be a part of it. And um um, I, I really can't wait to see what happens over the next um, next six months or year or five years and and yeah. onwards. And I can't wait to meet meet up with you again in May of next year. Yes, well, I'm I'm really excited about that because uh, my my pitch is uh, related to the collaborative opportunities from managers, um, and and I. Well, owners as well, in actual fact, of course, if, if you take a big extension from this. There are hurdles to doing it, but uh, we now know the hurdles. Uh, and we think uh, if there are groups of like-minded people out there who would like to challenge the status quo of the OTAs at regional levels or possibly even national levels, uh, we will be prepared to uh, engage in that uh, throughout the course of 2017. So if we can pass on that information and, and show how it works uh, and, you know, the barriers to entry, I think it will be really, really interesting. Well, really you, know, interesting. you know how I feel about, uh, you know, our Ontario agencies. We are beginning to collaborate and it's something that we've never done in the past and, and, it's, and it's an exciting time for us. So we'll be talking to you when you come to Toronto. And, of course, if, if, um, if, you, if 
my listeners didn't get the gist of what that was about. It's a Vacation Rental Success Summit, which is on in Toronto the 6th and 7th of May 2017. And Richard will be coming to speak, as he says, on, as he said, on um, collaborating. And um, yeah, I, I see 2017 as, as being a, a real um, tipping point for, for the industry. Um, I, I'm not. Yeah, one, I, I'm not one I, to make predictions because they're usually rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but it just seems like there's something in the air. There's something that's infecting people at the moment with a, with with more optimism than there has been in the past. You know, not necessarily that the whole thing is going to um, magically change overnight, but the fact that we we perhaps have more influence as owners and managers than we've previously thought. Being a, having been an owner and a manager of, of properties, um, there's two polar ends of this uh, of this business. There's the people who own the property and contract the properties. They're the quality controllers of the whole exercise. And then you've got the guest facing end of the business as well. Which one is going to win? Well, the jury's out at the moment. I think um, I think a lot of mistakes have been made um, by the OTAs. I think they were probably uh, less, I won't say ignorant of, of, of how the industry runs, but uh, they were probably not caring enough about it um, in, a, in adopting the transition. So, you know, uh, it's there's a lot of moving parts in this business, um, and the owners and managers have a lot of power at the end of the day, uh, and I think they should wield it uh, together. Well, you know, it, it, it certainly seems from what, what you've said and what we chatted about before we, we hit the record button here that you've got, um, it could, could be a little bit like herding cats to, um, with all these people who are wanting to wield their power now and they need to be perhaps reined in a little and um, sent off in the right direction. Yeah, well, you've hit, you've hit the nail on the head. Herding cats is one of the phrases I will be using and data management, aggregation and positioning are, are the others, but... We'll be giving a real-life example of this, so uh, how it works, where it works, um, and all the, the pain in between. So Excellent. I'm very excited about it. Excellent, Richard. Well, thank you so much for your for your time today. Um, I know you've got Skype calls set up and people calling in from all over the world, so just stay busy yep. and have a great Christmas. I will, Heather, and thank you for uh, this podcast again and for allowing us to mention the word Rentivo and crowdfunding, etc. Uh, and my next call is actually to Colorado, so still over your side of the planet. Oh, well, in- enjoy that. And uh, yeah, ask them about their snow. They are inundated. <laughs> right. They could probably do some in France, actually, so I might want to send some over. <laughs> okay. Thanks a lot, Richard. All right. Bye, Heather. Bye. So that was great, and yes, I am. I am an investor of of, of Rentivo, and I'm very happy to to say so. And um, you know, I'm I'm not promoting it in in any other way than I I think that it's time something happened in the industry that actually involved the people who are at the foundation of it, the owners and the managers. And if we can get in and support. Uh, something that's really going to, I think, make a huge difference, then um, then we should be doing it. And, you know, you can invest a small amount. You can invest a large amount. Um, see, it, see it more as a 
um, an investment in, in community, perhaps, and, and get involved with all of these other people who want to see a change happening. So, uh, so that, was, that was a great conversation. And just to reiterate, Richard will be speaking uh, at the Vacation Rental Success Summit in, uh, in May of next year, along with a ton of other people. And if you haven't checked out the lineup of speakers, it really is phenomenal. We really feel that we have drawn together the thought leaders in this industry and uh, getting them all together in one space. Really glad to announce that um, Andrew McConnell of Rented.com will be joining us as a speaker. Um, we did ask Andrew oh, months and months ago, and I know he had another commitment, and uh, he picked us, which we are very happy and proud about. Um, if you don't know Andrew, he's... Um, um, the, the founder of um, Rented.com. He's been on the uh, podcast a couple of times. And um, he is regularly quoted on the, um, on the major travel, travel tech um, sites like Skift. Um, so I'll, I'll put, a, I'll put a, a link on the show notes to the latest Skift uh, article about Airbnb. Um, where, um, where Andrew was asked for his comments, and they're very, very insightful. So, uh, so go take a look at uh, at that if you want some background on uh, Andrew McConnell of Rented dot com. Um, I won't talk any more about um, about speakers uh, at, at the moment. Um, Mike and I are going to do a uh, an episode at the beginning of the new year where we're actually talking about the event in general. And, um, you know, how you can get involved and uh, learn a bit more about the speakers and about what's going to happen, because we're really excited about it. And we want everybody to plan really, really early. Get um, get your flights booked, get your hotel room booked. And and then we can start talking to you because uh, Mike and I are going to be talking personally to every single attendee over the next uh, over the next few months just to make sure that we get this right for you. It is so important that, that this event, which we always said it's a, it's a non-profit by owner for owner event. So we make it, we, we create it for you based on what you want. So if you're coming and you've got, you've got some suggestions on, what we can do to make it even better, then we can't wait to hear from you. So that's about it. It's, um, it's um, oh, it's a week before Christmas. Actually, by the time this is published, it'll just be a few days to Christmas. So hope all your Christmas shopping is done. You are all ready for the festive events. And uh, I'll look forward to talking to you again next week between Christmas and New Year where I'm going to give you my rundown on what 2016 has been like for me and my company. See you then. This episode of Vacation Rental Success is over, but don't worry, Heather will be back soon. Want more great resources? Visit cottageblogger.com for tips, tricks, downloads, and strategies to help you achieve profit from your vacation rental business.